or to the Corinthians, that when he came, he did not come with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Yeah. Help me? Corinthians. The Corinthians. Second Corinthians, right? Just to one-up you. Anyways. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's one of them. Anyways, when, um, you know, when, when Paul said that, he, he, there's something, he said, he went on to say, that he didn't come just with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of spirit and power. That your faith would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Yeah. And uh, we are very used to sermonizing, and we're very used to, and that's great. We need the preaching and teaching of the word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept, to build our lives. But we also need just as much the demonstration of the spirit and power of God. And um, I am thankful that the pressure is off of me because uh, it's not my power. It's not even my spirit. Uh, but I, I, I believe that God wants more than just information this morning. So I just want to say that as we prepare, um, my son on the way here also said, Dad, the last time was like so boring. So like I, I, I didn't even take... <laughs> One yeah. note, because there was like nothing worth in it. And, uh, <laughs> I said it was interesting to me. It was interesting to you. Okay, I'm sorry I'm misrepresenting you, perhaps. But the, but I, it, was a, it was very much the 13 year old. So, um, and I said, well, this morning and perhaps that particular week, it was more, less about just information and more about facilitating an encounter with your father. So I want to say at the beginning, that's, my, that's our goal this morning, is to facilitate something of an encounter with your father. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Um, and as I say that, I just want you to know that your father, our father, loves us with a love that is so fulfilling and wonderful. Now, I know intellectually all of us know that because it's like the good Bible thing to believe, but it's the reality. And when we actually encounter the love of God, not just read about it and that sort of thing, it, it heals our hearts. Yeah. And the reason it heals our hearts is because we discover we are so loved. <laughs> and if I'm so loved, I've got identity and purpose and I'm safe and I'm protected. And so I believe that God wants to just reveal himself to you, and I want to bring us through some exercises just to help facilitate that. Now, as we go through these exercises, if you don't feel like you're seeing some Holy Spirit picture that he's giving you, or you're hearing a word, or something like that, I want you to feel at peace, okay? Um, that's okay. okay. Don't feel like the other people in the room are all getting something, and you're the only one. God doesn't, I'm the one person that God must not really love. Don't don't feel that way. But uh, at the same time, I also want to encourage you um, uh, to help all of us that we're going to be doing some prayers, you completely in your own privacy, as I'm speaking this morning, and, um, and to get your mind and your rationale out of the driver's seat. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks something to our heart, and it may not make sense to our intellect. 
Now, in the Western society, we are very driven by our intellect and our mind and our rationale. And all of our education and virtually all of our society teaches us to put that in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying we throw our brain goodbye for the sake of having faith. I am saying that to receive from the Spirit of God, we need to receive from the Spirit of God. And our, that passes from our spirit through our intellect, not from our intellect to our spirit. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Right. So we need to receive. So God could perhaps give you a picture, give you an image, give you a word. You could feel a phrase. You could remember a face of a person. All these kinds of things. I don't want you to brush that aside um, because part of what we're doing is learning to hear the voice of God. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, so I want to bring us into remembrance of the kind of an overarching context of what it is that we're, we're talking about. So at the very beginning of the year, while praying um, over this church, praying for a, that particular church service gathering that was going to be happening the next day, I felt I saw a picture, and I'm going to share it with you again. And uh, I thought that that was a prophetic word, which it was, uh, I feel strongly, for the church for that day. But what it's kind of mushroomed into is I've realized that this is a prophetic picture of what God wants to do in this church. He wants to bring a healing or specifically a breaking of the wall, the dam wall that would hold back, stop that Peter, that would hold back the waters uh, of of the energy and the activity of God that comes out of the throne of God to pour through you for the sake of you becoming an instrument of healing, being healed and becoming an instrument of healing. So this is what I saw. I wasn't thinking about any particular scripture, wasn't thinking of anything. I saw as I was praying, just like that, in an instant, I saw a damn wall. I heard the word dyke. Okay, I don't even know why that's significant. I would call it a dam. I don't know why I heard the word dyke. I'm just saying this to... To let you in on the experience, uh, because that might help you in hearing God. I heard the word dyke. I saw a damn wall, I, and I saw the waters, the, that damn wall become broken. I saw the waters come pouring out of that, and, then, and, and I saw in my spirit's eye, as, as I was praying, I saw um, my attention was drawn to the lushness of the vegetation and specifically the trees that were growing on either side of what, what became a river. And um, I had the sense of nourishment and healing coming from these, the, 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 the vegetation from these trees. So when I, I, now I remembered that state at that point about a reference in scripture to the leaves of the trees being for the healing of the nations. And so I, I, um, did a search in my Bible program for healing waters, those two words. Where do the words healing and waters show up in the scripture? Came across two scriptures, which I'm going to read to you now. So, um, but as I do, this is what I want to, to just, again, to say this to be utterly clear, is that there are damn walls in all of our hearts yes. that do us no service. And God, in his reckless love, wants to come and not just heal Detroit, heal you and me. That through us, he can heal Detroit. And the torrent of 
the, of the current on the other side. The, in other words, the waters on the other side, as they come through, are refreshing, are healing, are nourishing. They cause what is inside of you to grow up to become something that, brings he- that not only experiences healing, but gives healing away. So let's read these scriptures, and then I've got a couple points, and then we're going to go through some exercises. Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 12. I thought, I thought this is amazing. When I looked up this scripture, I was amazed at what I had just been shown by the Holy Spirit, and then what I read in the scripture. It's like, God, you must really actually be real. <laughs> you, uh, you speak, clearly. Ezekiel 47, and then one of the most wonderful chapters of the entire scripture, Revelations chapter 22, the the very final chapter, the ending of the canonized scripture, which takes what you see in creation, the creation of the garden, and brings it all to full circle to seeing the final holy city of God, which is described in very few words, one of which is that there is a river flowing from the throne of God, and we'll read more about that. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. Then he brought me back to the door, this is Ezekiel speaking, of the temple. This is the temple of God, where God dwells, right? And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple, toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out uh, of, by the way, of the north gate, and he led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. So I can't draw anything up here, but if this were the temple here, it's actually an iPad, but let's pretend it was, you're looking at an aerial view at the temple. There is a, uh, you know, you've got the holiest of holies back here. And there is, out of the front of this temple facing the east, out of the threshold is some kind of water coming out that comes out, and then the outer uh, wall here that surrounds the temple, that water is flowing out there to the gate. Are you following that? Mm-hmm. Where is it originating? Yeah. And who lives in the temple? God. Okay, this water is flowing from God mm-hmm. out, okay? Um, Verse 3, and when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, did I skip a a verse? Okay, so he had a line in his hand. What the heck does a line mean? That's a measuring device, like a a tape measure, except really, really long. Uh, And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. So 1,000 cubits away from this gate, the waters... Uh, he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. 1,000 cubits is roughly a quarter of a mile. So at that stage, the water is at about ankle deep. Again, he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. It's getting deeper. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000 cubits. Now we're about roughly just over a mile away from the, from the gate. And it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. In other words, at that stage, the waters had become so strong that one could not control the waters as you could when you're standing and still... In, in position with your ankles or your knee or even your waist, at this stage, 
You don't control the waters. The waters control you. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. (laughs) And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. Listen to this. For they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Enegleim. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and its marshes will, be, will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. I'll touch on that later. Along with the bank of the river, banks of the river, on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food, for their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. And now let's look at Revelations 22, chapter 1. Written hundreds and hundreds of years later, John the Apostle, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, Uh, describes a vision that he has where he's taken up by the Spirit. He encounters Jesus, and he's taken to see events that had taken place and will be taking place, culminating with the holy city, the new Jerusalem, Jesus returning and establishing forever the the holy city. And here in Revelation 22, that holy city is described, verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Do you guys agree with me that there is something about water proceeding from where God is? Yeah. God emphasizes yeah. this. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river, I mean, I feel like reading the scripture, not that I haven't read it before, but I feel like it's re- I'm reading what I saw while in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Either side of the river was tr- the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree or for the healing of the nations. I just want to say three things about these two passages of Scripture, uh, points quickly, that we all need to digest together, um, um, just to give us some context. Firstly, I want to point out that the waters come from God's throne. It is the activity that emanates from Him. What I'm saying is this is not human activity. This is not us slugging it out. This is not doing the good church thing. This is not trying to do all those things that we know are right, etc., etc., etc. There is a river that flows from the throne of God that is rife with God's activity, God's momentum, God's torrent, God's life, God's nourishment, not ours. And the idea is we get into that river. This is not our energy or our efforts. Second point. I want us to notice that the waters are coming out of the throne of God or the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. They're going out from there and going to the nations. The water has a direction, my friends. The water does not come to shower over me so that I can be healed and wonderful and live my life The water has a direction. The current goes somewhere, and should we get into it, it goes to the nations. Mm -hmm. 
it, the activity that comes from God is the same activity that had Jesus leave perfection of heaven to come to the earth for the purpose of redeeming mankind with his reckless, unending love. And as we are touched by that same energy, it transforms us into the same. So let's understand that about these waters that we're talking about. As we're healed, that's what happens. Number three, or could I also maybe point out, just related to that, look at, if you still have Ezekiel 47, that 11th verse, but it's swamps and marshes. What is a swamp and what's a marsh? It's where the current stops. It's where the waters collect and they stay stagnant. They will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Where are the, well, let's go on to the next and final point. The healing leaves, these trees that have healing leaves, healing for the nations, they occur only in one place of this whole 4,000 cubit stretch. They only appear where the water becomes a current, a river, so great that a man can't cross, he has to swim. So the healing leaves occur where there is a torrent that you can't control. We get out of the driver's seat. Either Jesus really is Lord, he's the one that's in charge. In his grace, he doesn't make us make him Lord. We can even declare that he's Lord and then choose for him not to be. In fact, everyone in this room, myself included, have areas where Jesus hasn't really been able to establish his throne of lordship. But the waters occur where we get in. Now, I want, you to, I want you to be encouraged with something as we're getting into this. Is that this is not, again, about performance. Even the performance of getting in the river. God is coming to you. In fact, for you and for me, God has been with us the whole time. Circumstances have perhaps proclaimed and preached to us something to declare that God is something other than he is. But God in his love is surrounding us. And what releases the love and the goodness of God is when we see him for who he really is and accept that and have our mind transformed to see who he really is. He doesn't change. Our perception of him goes from a lie to truth. He is surrounding you now. The river isn't some work that you have to do. He is working in you to bring you to the river already. It's actually a matter of responding and yielding, not any effort on your part. And the river of God is so refreshing. Maybe I should tell you at this point that yesterday, do you remember me saying a couple weeks ago that we went and did some training for like a heart healing kind of ministry? Some of you actually went there with me. So Minda and I, part of what we did in Chicago is we went to have not the training, but actually receive a personal session. It's not counseling. It's like facilitating an encounter with God, actually, very much similar to what we're doing right now, going to do. And uh, I had an encounter with God yesterday. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and I yeah, don't want to say that lightly, that it was, uh, I can't but believe that that's life-changing <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, I don't know why I just said that to you. There was a point, I'm sure. <laughs> but I experienced, yeah, this whole encounter actually, uh, it, well, it's very hard to, but it, I saw myself in, throughout this thing in a river. And, uh, and I can't say that I've ever felt joy like I felt yesterday. Cool. So um, maybe I'll share more about that later. Okay, so let's look at a couple things just as we make our way into some exercises that we're going to do, okay? I just want to point this out, that water in Scripture, because we need to have like an idea. What We're talking right now very imagery, pictures that may or may not actually make practical sense for us. Water in Scripture, the current that comes from God that, that comes out to do these things that we're describing really, I believe, boils down to two things that God always seems to emphasize. His word, and by that I don't only mean the written canonized scripture. I certainly don't mean just the memorization of scripture. But I do mean the scripture. But really more than that, the scripture was capturing the voice of God. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not just words on a page. God, his voice, his life, the, the, the living being of God express communication, that's the word of God. Right. And many of us have read the scripture and not experienced that. Yeah. But you know that when you experience that, maybe perhaps while reading the scripture, it rumbles inside of you and changes things. Yes. So the word of God and the spirit of God. What is the river? It's the word of God and it's the spirit of God. How can I be so, so bold as to say that? Well, let me yeah. remind you, in, in the creation, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And when this Word and the Spirit came together, that is how creation came about. This whole thing that he started had to do with those two simple ideas. And in fact, the Godhead himself is the one who spoke. The Spirit of God, the second part of the Trinity, is the one who is hovering. And the Word of God, being Jesus, the Word of God, those three came together to create. Create creation, ultimately even the energy that ultimately created you and me. And so the work of God that's being done in the way of this river is still simply the Word and the Spirit of God. Let me take that a step further just to further prove it. Ephesians 5.26, Paul says, to husbands to, uh, says to, that he might sanctify Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. Connecting, connecting the word of God, the voice of God is having attributes like water that cleanses, that refreshes, okay? Or how about this, Revelations 1.15, speaking of John's picture of Jesus, it says that when he, Saul Jesus, his feet were like burnished brass, having been fired in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Now, what about the Spirit of God? Have you ever noticed in Joel 2.28 and also Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room, uh, Peter gets up and says, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This idea of pouring is of liquid, right? right? And then the whole idea, all four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all, all of them unanimously, one of the few things that are unanimously in all four, 
say that John the Baptist baptized in water, but the one coming after me will baptize in the Spirit, <coughs> linking the idea of what we receive of the Spirit being the same thing as what our physical bodies experience in being dunked in water. Right. Are, are, are we following here? Yeah. Right. So this idea of what is this river, it's simply the voice of God <laughs> and the Spirit of God. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the dams. How many of us want the waters on the other side of these dams, whatever may be dammed up, want those dams to be broken that the water can come through? Amen. Now, I, when I ask that question, please don't say that to me, your answer. It's before the Lord. Do I want it? I've got good news for you. He wants you to have the release of these waters. These waters are not emanating from the throne of God to all of those other people. You are those other people. And I am too. So what are the dams? I've got three that I just want to touch on. One is unforgiveness, which we touched on a few um, weeks ago, and I'll just kind of mention that. But then a second one is a distorted view of God or self that become dams that block us from receiving from, from the river, from the activity that's emanating from God. And then thirdly would be uh, a calloused heart. Any area where our heart becomes calloused. And I invite you together with me to invite the Lord uh, to, to, to speak into any of these areas. Can we pray right now? We're not closing in prayer. We're just spontaneously asking God in the middle of this and inviting him. Lord, we just want to say we do want. We believe, Lord, we believe your picture, the picture that you're speaking of your word. We believe that you have a river. Lord, we receive the fact that that river was for me just as much as it was for anybody else. I receive that. Can you say that to the Lord? Just, just whisper it before the Lord. I receive that your river is for me. Holy Spirit, I invite you to puncture the dam. I invite you to shed light on the dam. Together, let's break down the dams. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at this first one, unforgiveness. Matthew 6, just going to read this scripture. We read it a couple weeks ago, as I said. Jesus teaches us how to pray. And uh, in our prayer, the suggestion here is that in our regular prayer life, i.e. a daily basis, is the idea that forgiveness is a lifestyle. Yes. Some of us have so forgotten that, myself included, Absolutely. So forgotten that simple practice that things go and I feel like I don't need to forgive because I'm not really bothered. I have been amazed over the past couple weeks how many things are actually in my heart that the boy inside of me. Do you know what I'm saying? Not that the boy inside of me that got hurt or even the young man or whatever that got hurt through circumstances that begin to form and fashion my view of God unknowingly and myself. 
and how forgiving certain things has brought me freedom. Freedom not only to be healed or what, but freedom to see him, to receive from him. So Jesus teaches us, forgive us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And immediately after he's finished teaching the disciples this prayer, he doesn't make a comment about the kingdom of God coming. That's certainly what I would then launch into, a sermon about the kingdom. Or he doesn't teach on how you're actually supposed to praise God before you begin to ask for your request. No, his only comment about this prayer is this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The idea here is not that if you don't make sure that every single thing that's been done against you, you've forgiven, then you're going to go to hell. That's not the idea that what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying that sin is relational. Sin impacts relationship. Every single sin that you and I can possibly do either affects or offends the relationship with God or man and women or both. Every sin. There's no sin that is like some other thing. It's either that, this, or both. And, and, and the sin impacts relationship. If I lie to my mother-in-law and she knows that I lie, though that, that can, if, if that's not made right then that can impact her relationship. How? For example, she might not be able to trust me. But when something is made right, the person who has been offended is freed from the impact of that lie because she can also believe maybe I am not worthy of respect. The fact that he tried to lie to me and take advantage of me and to protect something, hide something from me, maybe he doesn't really respect me. You know what I'm saying? And that can subconsciously creep into our heart without us even seeing it and begin to lodge a lie in our heart about ourselves. And it impacts our behavior. It even impacts all of our relationships. And Jesus is saying, keep that space clean. Forgive. Forgive because how men and women treat you is not consistent with how I treat you and how I look at you. And as you forgive, uh, you clear a path for my image of you to flood your soul and your spirit and your heart. So that, I just want to say, is a launching pad into the next two things. Because we've already gone through an exercise of forgiveness a couple weeks ago. Um, Distorted view of God. So the original lie, if you'll look with me, Genesis chapter 3. And then I'm going to ask us to have a little conversation with God about this. Because I believe that God wants to speak into some things. The original lie. Genesis chapter 3. This is where man fell. says, Now the serpent was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Is it so that God has said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Let me pause there. Was it so? Had God said to not eat of of every tree in the garden? Had God said that? He did. But the enemy is coming and questioning what God has said. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, unless you die. 
And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows. So questioning God, saying the opposite of what God has said, and then making suggestions about the character and nature of God by saying, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God has said things to you and you in your naivete have believed this God who has portrayed himself as being a loving father, but actually he is wanting to suppress you and keep you from being on his level. You can't trust him. He lies to you. Now, what I want to point out is that every single one of us in here, in our heart, have a hiccup at some level of trusting God because of that exact same liar and the same lie. God cannot be trusted. And ultimately, he didn't say God can't be trusted. He said some other stuff. But ultimately, God doesn't really love you. That's the lie. If God would tell me not to do something, but he's tricking me to keep me from having the same power that he has, he doesn't love me, he loves himself. And he wants me to help him in his thing. That's the lie. He didn't say it in those words, but that is what got lodged into the heart of mankind right at that point. I want to say all of us in the areas that we need healing... Most of it is rooted in that belief right there that has been passed on generation to generation. God does, he cannot be really be trusted. And underneath that, he doesn't really love you. So I'm going to ask you right now. Could you close your eyes perhaps if you feel comfortable doing that? And let's have a conversation with this same God who was in the garden who has been with you, who was there when you were born. He surrounds you even right now and always has. He is here. I want you just to ask him a question. As you do, just go with what comes to you. I'm not saying that it's absolutely what he says, but I'm saying maybe it is and you just don't, you you think it's you. Is there an area, you can go ahead and ask him quietly or just in your heart, God, is there an area where I don't trust you? This is not a mental exercise, this is a spirit exercise. Most of us know areas. Is there an area I don't trust you? Okay, what is that area? I want you to go ahead and put it in your own words. What is that area? Give it a name. Okay, ask the Lord this. Where did I learn that lie? Where did I learn to not trust you? Maybe it was a... I asked a very similar question yesterday. My mom 
came to me. My image of my mom. As I kind of went forward with that, I began to see things that God saw that I really had not previously understood. It could be a person, it could be a moment in your life. Okay, I want you to ask, ask the Lord, is there someone I need to forgive? Someone that I need to forgive that taught me, whose actions taught me that something related to me not trusting me. Okay, I'm going to ask you now, if you are ready to forgive that person specifically. Don't just say, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive so-and-so for dot, dot, dot. Specific. For me, it was, I forgive my mom for teaching me to be afraid and to live in fear. you to acknowledge you are releasing their offense, their wrongdoing away. You are sending what they did to you back. And I want you to specifically renounce any lie. Remember we gave it a name? Renounce the, the lie that was taught to you. For me, it was I renounce fear. I renounce an atmosphere of fear. And now, I want you to go ahead and ask, ask the Lord a bold question. Lord, how can I know I can trust you? A scripture could come to your mind, an image. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever is coming to you, I want you to verbalize that back to him that I accept that as my perspective. I accept that as my way of believing. Cool. We good? Okay, uh, original lie about self. And I'll just read this scripture. Check this out. Verse 7, this is what happens after this whole issue of the fall and 
is the result is this. Verse 7, And the eyes of both of them, being Adam and Eve, were opened when they ate of the fruit of that tree. And they knew that they were naked. That's very important. Were they naked before then? Yes. Were they ashamed? No. Did anything in, in essence actually change about their... I mean, yeah, we, we know some, some things changed, but... Did, did they change or was their perspective changed? So they knew that they were naked and they sewed, as a result, fig leaves together and made girdles or, or covering for themselves. So the result is that they became aware of themselves and how they're coming across. In other words, whereas before they had evidently been focused out here, and not even thinking, knowing that they were loved, knowing that they were okay, not even thinking anything else. And then something happened here where they became aware of how I am appearing. And I need to do something to adjust my appearance at every level. Not just my physical appearance, any kind of part of my appearance. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God in the middle of the trees of the garden. I think that's one of the most, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just horrifying scriptures uh, in the Bible. That the result was that they took a posture of hiding themselves from the one who loved them. And verse 9, and the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I became afraid because I am naked and I hid myself. This picture is one of man failing, God coming to him, man hiding from him. I want you to, to, to take this picture for you right now. God is coming to you. The whole idea of Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God coming to, it's man who is hiding. And man is hiding because of a twisted perspective that you and I more than likely have at some level, either of what we believe about him, <laughs> are the waters about to come gushing into the room? Oh, the heat's coming on, okay. That's Mendes' thumbs up about that. Either a twisted perspective of what we believe about God or our perception of him, or, as evidenced in this scripture, a twisted perspective about ourselves making us feel like we need to hide, we need to cover, we need to be altered in some kind of way, where God is unconditionally loving us. The river... Let me just say this. We do not change ourselves in order to get in the river. We get in the river and it changes us. Yes. It cleanses us. It is his energy, not ours. We are accepted just as we are. In the river, God deals with the things of our heart and, and of our lives. The lie is that you need to change yourself to be accepted and loved. So I'm just going to ask a question, and then I think we're going to, um, I th I've got some other points, but maybe we can get to that later. It doesn't matter. I, don't, I, I feel like I, I, we need to do some other things. But I just want to ask you to, again, close your eyes. 
and in the same way, we're asking the Holy Spirit, this is a conversation between you and Him, Lord, is there a lie I am believing about myself? And as you begin to identify lies that we believe about ourselves, ask him, where did I learn that lie? Where did I learn that lie? And again, is there anyone I need to forgive? I was taken back to a particular instance. I'd long forgotten about it. Going through this exact same exercise, taken through a, of, of a, of a incident that happened with a school friend of mine where they had done something that made me feel a certain way, feel, feel bad. And that was a part of something beginning to form a lie in my heart about myself. Maybe you have a memory, maybe there was a person in your life. I want you to forgive specifically. Forgive specifically. The person. Forgive them by name. Forgive them specifically for what they've done. And again, as you do that, send it away, in a sense. The lie that came to your heart, renounce it by name. I do not partner with this lie anymore. But say it. You don't have to say it out loud, but whisper it or just in your own heart. Say it. I send that, whatever you fill in the blanks, whatever that lie is, I send it back. And now ask the Lord, Lord, is there something you want to show me in place of that lie? What do you see about me? Now, you may see something or whatever, a picture or hear, or it may be immediately um, understandable to you. It might be something that you don't. I saw, for example, a picture of a baseball card. Isn't that great? The Lord wants me to, to know a baseball card about me. The lady who is walking me through the exercise says, are you aware of anything of what a baseball card means. I said, well, it was a huge part of my childhood and it was something that me and my dad bonded over. She said, well, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is there something you want to show me about a baseball card? And in that moment, I knew in my heart of hearts, God was saying to me that in the same way your earthly father bonded with you over certain things, there are things that I want in my relationship with you to become a special, precious thing that we bond over. 
So if you don't understand what's coming to you, just ask the Holy Spirit. Is there something you're wanting to show me about whatever that is? And then simply receive it. Confess it. Thank him for it. We good? Okay. Just want to um, share a quick testimony, and then I actually feel some specific things that I feel the Lord wants to speak to particular individuals here. Um, so uh, when we were in Chicago uh, over this past couple of days, um, just an amazing, I'm going to brag on Minda, but it's not really bragging on Minda, it's bragging on the Lord, but God used Minda. But I think it's such a great picture for this whole thing that we're talking about. When we, when we arrived to, on our first night, we arrived, we drove straight into Chicago, went to the Church in the City Wednesday night prayer meeting. They had been praying and fasting, and they wanted to pray over some things specifically for Border City Church, uh, which is really great. And so when we parked the car, there were two ladies getting out of a SUV right next to us. And when we got out, immediately they recognized us. I didn't know who they were. And, um, and the ones, I heard the one say, Minda, I just have to tell you. And I kind of got out of the car and trudged through the three-foot snow and couldn't hear the conversation. But later found out that um, she said, when you came, Minda, to the Chosen Women's Conference last year in Chicago, and you spoke, and you shared the story about how when God had called you from Georgia to move to South Africa, and how there was a, a lady kind of ministering to you prophetically, and in that prophetic ministry she had for you, she said to you, and God wants you to know that I've got your children. You don't need to worry about them. They're okay. And, and uh, how that was a, a scale tipping point for Minda in moving to South Africa because it was the one thing she didn't know what was, how this was going to work. We didn't, you know, there's a bunch of questions about what, how it's going to be for the kids. And God so, showed her during that season that, if I am calling you as the mom or mom and dad, what I have for you is good for your kids. Right. So you don't need to shape your destiny around your kids, but around what I'm saying. And even if it doesn't make sense here, know that I have a plan for all of you. Right. And that became a huge learning experience. She shared that. And this lady who was in the parking lot came up and said, when you shared that, I had just gone through a divorce or was going through a divorce or whatever. Um, my husband had left me, and I was stuck with, it was just me and my, my child, and um, there was a friend who had been inviting me to come up to this church in the city. I wasn't living in Chicago at that time, and I decided to come to this Chosen Women's Conference, and you shared that, and God had already been putting on my heart to move to Chicago, and when you said that, that became the thing that I needed to be able to move to Chicago, and... Um, and, and it didn't make sense about my kids. I didn't know, but I just did it in faith. She said that everything, it's like red carpet treatment. God has opened up an incredible job for me, has provided. I'm making more money I ever have in my life. I've got a great house. My, kids are, my kid is doing fantastic. And then, um, and then she, so by that point, I think we had come inside, and they were breaking their fast, and there was like a table of her friends, this lady who was like raving, and she was like, this other friend was like, said to her husband, hey, 
this is Minda. You remember? She's the one, and he starts filling in the blanks. Yeah, she spoke at the Chosen Women's Conference last year. She spoke on uh, enlarging your capacity out of Isaiah 54, and it was about this, this, this. this. And Minda's like, oh, my gosh. And this whole table said, we've all listened to this message so many times. And it has meant so much to us. And hadn't God been saying something about Isaiah 54 to her already? To, to one of them, yeah. So when she spoke on that. So here's, here's what I'm trying to say to you. This Isaiah 54, ah, that was the whole thing that she had spoken. Was She mentioned that story about the God's got something for your children, but it, the whole message was about Isaiah 54, enlarging your capacity, the enlarging the space of your tent. And God spoke that from the scriptures to Minda right before he left for South Africa, and it became a huge theme that God began to work in her and give her a word and do some things in her life, and then ultimately that she began to share with others. And it's become a real theme in her ministry in a sense. And what I want to say, even though that may not apply, don't feel like it's only the preachers, you know, that hear something revolutionary from God and life-transforming from God. What I'm wanting to say that is such a picture of God speaking something, almost like a still small voice. If I remember correctly, she was outside in the hot Georgia sun with our little... Um, pool, but like, you know, those like flimsy baby pools that you can buy, those plastic cheap things, you know, uh, we had that and Peter was like out there and that's where she was studying and that's when God spoke to her out of Isaiah 54, still small voice and she just began to take notes, that wound up having massive impact on not only people in South Africa, this whole, apparently people in Chicago. And what I'm wanting to say is that the little whispers of the Holy Spirit that he speaks to you will grow up to become like a seed that will grow up to become like a tree. As we allow it to grow, that will become leaves for the healing of the nations. And let me say also, this isn't just about Detroit. We're Border City Church. It's about a river connecting two nations and the whole picture being that this river goes out to the nations. And it better impact us first. And it better impact our neighborhood first. But it doesn't stop there. God is ascending God. I wonder what he's going to do with you. I wonder what he's going to do with some of the people in this room. I bet it's going to be radical. Okay, so I just want to share a couple of things with particular individuals. Is that okay? Isabel, back there, trying to hide. She thought she was. Uh, just as we were worshiping earlier, I felt like the Lord gave me a picture for you. Is it okay if I share that with you? <laughs> I'm just going to share it anyway. It's, it is very, very, very safe, Isabel. When I was upstairs, I saw, and it's really cool, um, there's a room upstairs, and it, there's like a, a painting that's been done. Do you know where you sit usually? On the other side of that wall, there's like a room. Inside that room, there's a picture, and it says, it's time to rebuild Detroit. It's a really creative picture. And the D in Detroit, I looked at it just a few before church started, and I saw that the D is actually formed out of a paintbrush. I'd totally forgotten about that. I came down here, and I was just praying over this whole gathering, 
And I felt like the Lord put you on my heart. And I felt like I saw in my spirit a paintbrush. Uh, and, and God wanted to say that about you, a paintbrush. And, um, and I just feel like, you know, a paintbrush is used to create beautiful things. And, um, and, and color. And images. And I felt like the Lord wanting to let you know that he sees you like a paintbrush. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you to bring color and life. And to paint on the canvas of your life something that would be seen by other people. And people would say, that's beautiful. I sometimes get emotional with these things, so forgive me for that. Would it be okay if I pray for you, uh, Isabel? Lord, we just thank you for, thank you, Isabel. We just thank you for what you see when you look at her, that you created her. And Lord, we just want to declare over everything in her life that would counter, that would lie, that would declare to her or over her something other than what you do. We break the power of that in Jesus' name. We break the power of those lies in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the, for the pure waters of your spirit, the, the clean, pure image of what you have created, Isabel, from before the foundations of the earth, and we release that over her. Lord, let her, um, let her receive and be and give away what it is that you have given her in Jesus' name. Um, Tamora, I felt... Um, for you, uh, just kind of um, what we call a word of wisdom. I shared one last week, I think it was, also. Word of wisdom is not a word to say that the giver of the word is very wise. I have wisdom to share with you. Um, but what that means is sometimes like a prophecy is just something to encourage. A word of knowledge is, is information about a person or a situation that you otherwise could have had no way of knowing. Word of wisdom is something that has very practical application. And I felt, I felt that for you. And I feel like I heard the word crucible. And um, happy fun. Uh, and I heard the word crucible, and I felt like I saw that the Lord has you being forged and formed right now. And um, that he is teaching you things and wanting you to receive wisdom and teaching from him. And for, for I feel like it's like he wants you to know that it's not just for you, it's actually for all these people that are going to be touched through you. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, the, common, the instruction, the, the sense that I have for you is to not short-circuit the process. Don't try to look for the easy out. Because the Lord wants to teach you some skills and build into you some things that other people need to know and that you need to know that will establish in your life stability, prosperity, the, the, the blessing of heaven that will be spread from your house to others. Don't short-circuit the, the process. He wants to teach you some skills. Um, and um, um, your name is Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to um, just ask you a question, Anna. 
um, just uh, also as we were worshiping, I felt like I saw a picture frame. And I want to ask you, does that, does that mean anything to you? Does, is there anything significant about a picture frame? Nothing comes to you. Okay. I, I felt that, um, yeah, I, I felt like the, the, I felt like I saw it was like in a, um, in a room. It's like I, I felt like it was like God's room. And on the wall, he had a picture frame. And it was of you. <laughs> You're in the picture. And um, in the same way that, that um, we put pictures up to remind us of things that are precious to us, that uh, I just feel like the Lord wanting you to know that there right before him is a picture of you, and he delights in you. He delights in your, who he's created you to be and the, and the woman that he's created you to be. He delights in you. Thank you, Lord. So is it okay if I pray with you? Yeah. 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 Awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to lay hands if that's okay. So, so Lord, we, Lord, I just want to pray anything that perhaps has spoken to Anna in her childhood, in her history, that would counter anything of what you see, the one that you delight in, the daughter that you gave yourself up for, that you love and you formed her and fashioned her and made her exactly the way you want her. Anything that would counter that, we break that in Jesus' hands. And Father, we, we thank you for your river. We thank you for your, your spirit, your word, your life. Just pray that over Anna. Pray the, the stream of your river over her. Yes, God. Just being like a child in in your presence, in your in your flow. And I just feel like I see like the, the little girl you just playing and laughing and being free and in the water, just not having any care or any carrying this burden and this concern, all that just being washed away. You don't have to carry it. Just enjoying the delight of the one who loves you. I don't know if I can do this without crying. Uh. Sir. Yeah. It's worth, worth a lot of a lot of money, and it's worth a lot. And I think, and I, and I and I feel like the word desirable comes in again, where that's uh, that's something that's uh, uh, it's worth a lot, and it's a very desirable uh, thing. So I just um, I just feel that that uh, that, that 
picture frame creates a, a worth and a desirability. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good. It's a life worth remembering and, and continuing to learn from. Wow. That is good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. just want to encourage everybody in here. God, absolutely. I mean, I know it's, he, he's actually good towards you. He's actually, actually so, so loving. Yeah. Um, he's for you. Yes. You know, even in the struggle, even the things that are in you resistant to him, he is for you to help you with that. So just be encouraged. You are, you are called to be victorious over the things that, that uh, come against you. And it's, it's not just coming against you. It's ultimately coming against his will for you. Yes. And he is good in that will, and he's for you to help you in that will. Just know that. <laughs> All of us. Uh, how do we know that our dams, a heart, what does a heart without dams look like? I'm not going to go back into preaching. I just want to say this, to read this scripture over us. How do we know what a heart that does not have dams looks like? Matthew 18, 2. Jesus called a little child to him and set him in their midst. And said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as, a little, ch- as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. The entryway into this realm of what God wants to do requires on the threshold that we become like a child. Therefore, whoever shall humble himself like this child, this one is greater, this one is the greater in the kingdom of heaven. What is a child? A child is one who is totally trusting and believing because they know that they don't know anymore, so they just believe what the adults say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You say the sky is green, but it's really blue. I believe you. You're the adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we want dams, or, or that's what the picture looks like of being 
in the river is a heart that is trusting the voice of, of God, totally believing and, um, and able to receive freely from God's spirit. So Lord, we thank you and we continue to ask, not even just in this church gathering, but what you're starting in us. Lord, we, we want to bring before you any dam um, that may exist in our hearts still. And Lord, we, we thank you that you are for us in the breaking of that dam. That we don't need to run from you or be ashamed that that dam exists. We don't need to try to cover it over or to hide it or to pretend like it's not there. You know it's there and you, you are in your unending reckless love are coming to break down those dams. And so, Lord, we just say yes to you and say, please, Lord, we invite you. We want to experience. Teach us new things. Teach us, teach us to walk in, in, in the shattering of those dams. And we invite, Lord, for the torrent, the waters to come pouring over of your word and your spirit alive and afresh in our lives. Not just what we've known in the past but the torrent of your spirit and your word alive in us that would transform us, that would be like healing leaves to those around us and ultimately would impact nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Au revoir. Adios. Hey, Mickey and... um, Michelle.